Hi guys, welcome back to What's On Your Mind. I'm here today with Sana Brock, the CEO and founder of award-winning interior design studio and million-dollar company Lux Decor. Hi Sana, thank you so much for being here. Hi there, so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you so much for coming. Why don't you give us a little rundown of who you are, what your business is, and all that jazz. <laughs> yeah, so my name is Sana Brock. I'm the owner and founder of Lux Decor. Uh, Lux Decor is an interior design firm in Montreal. We um, we have uh, a large, quite a large following on Instagram. I think over forty two thousand followers, and we may we turn houses into home. So basically, we do everything from the design to then uh, going ahead and selling furniture, furnishing homes, and then finally to the entire reveal. Uh, we also have an affiliate program, so that's. Uh, outside designers, so designers that don't work exclusively for us, those affiliates are invited to share our space, um, kind of like a co-working space, a little bit like we work, where they have access to some amazing events with guest speakers, product knowledges, uh, whatever have you. And we'll be launching next year something called Lux Academy. So yeah, that's, wow. that's, that's what I do. Tell us a little bit more about what Lux Academy will be. That sounds very interesting. Yeah, so Lux Academy is actually going to be geared for uh, for students who complete interior design or any des interior design designer who's finished school and having a hard time um, getting full-time work. Uh, we know that the majority of interior designers are women and uh, Lux Academy really wants to help young entrepreneurs get more of a grip on their business. So instead of considering yourself just an interior designer, uh, really looking at your business as an entrepreneur. So Lux Academy will, re will really be there to help uh, understand the business model behind the actual um, design world. That sounds very, very cool. I'm very excited to see that. I mean, I'm, I'm a very um, passionate seasonal decor person <laughs> so every single season I will change out my candles put a lot of stuff up for Christmas change it up for fall I am definitely that person um and I actually started an interior blog a while ago I shut it down because oh. I kind of like lost interest in it because it just almost became like a I don't know it's like when you when you do things too much and whatever I kind of just lost my interest in it in that sense but so that might come back to you. I think interior, I mean, there's a lot to learn in interior design. And actually that's part of what I think for me, what fuels this whole Lux Academy is that I think a lot of people have this con concept that an interior designer is not a real job, that it's really all fun, like picking pillows and like choosing colors and painting and do all, doing all this fluffy stuff. But it's actually a real profession yeah. and um, there's a lot of skill and a lot of learning and a lot of experience sure. that needs to, to go behind it. I'm sure even like, as I just decorate my room on a monthly basis, it's not even monthly anymore, but I used to do it on a monthly basis. I used to do it on a weekly basis. It's just having like that eye for things is also really hard. And I just can't imagine what it goes into, what goes into being an interior designer. I feel like it's just so much more than, like you said, the picking out the pillows and the paint colors, because you have to, it's not, it's not about like you, what you want, you know, it's about what everybody else wants and what, like you said, makes it home for the other person. So I think that also becomes, I'm sure a little more challenging too, right? 
Yeah, for sure. But I think what's actually cool today um, that we didn't have, let's say 20 years ago is social media, obviously. Yeah. So, I mean, I think interior design is like a big shoo-shoo uh, kind of uh, a thing on Instagram, on TikTok. Yep. You see a lot of videos and tutorials how to get a certain aesthetic. So I do believe that a broader um, public really, really likes the aesthetic of interior design. And there's mm-hmm. definitely ways like DIYs and all of that, that you're able to achieve a certain look. But the actual um, profession of interior design, it's a lot of skill, like AutoCAD, technical drawings, understanding proportion, project management. Um, yeah, there's a ton of details. There. And it's, it's very, very detail-oriented work, especially right. if you want to get a perfect result. I'm sure that, I, like you said, like not a lot of people realize that. And honestly, I feel like running any business is just so much more than what like everybody else sees, the surface level stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. But I think that's, what's kind of exciting. Like, I mean, obviously I'm a, I'm a woman, I've got kids, my kids are teenagers. And I mean, I've, I've mentored a lot of, uh, a lot of youth. I've uh, spoken to a lot of classrooms for the kids. And I think, you know, when you're trying to decide what you want to do with your life, you start with a kind of like a seed, like, Oh, I have an interest in this. And then you need somebody really to tell you what that job right. entails. Like what's the real like what, what are you doing on the daily? And I think that's a little bit the misconception. Um, so I think it's, it's great when you're able to talk to somebody and really get a sense of, hey, uh, this is what you're going to do every day. This is what you need. You need experience. And I think like anything, though, I mean, it's different from going to school and then actually right. um, realizing it in, uh, in actual work experience. Yeah. So. I know that you're adopted and everything. So why, what, what inspired you to start mostly the, an interior design, a design business? So I actually like kind of, uh, I, it, you know, I was like you probably like I changed my room all the time. I was moving my furniture. I mean, when you're a teenager or a young adult, that's all you have is your room. So I mean, I'd be moving my dresser at midnight, and my mom would be like, why are you moving your furniture again? Not really understanding that I had a passion for it. And I think later I studied uh, fashion design. And I actually won a stage. And in my third year of school, I remember thinking I did the stage and it was, I absolutely hated it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this sucks. I don't want to be in I don't want to be an, uh, like a, uh, a fashion designer. So what I actually did is I kind of flipped ship and I went into the wholesale business of uh, fashion. And then I actually just randomly answered an ad, got into the wholesale side of the world, um, started developing product from India, started to do a ton of product development. And I really realized I was always obsessed with home. So I think part of my journey was that I was adopted. And I realized that, you know, I never really had a sense of home that mm-hmm. I moved and I had no attachment. It would like, people would come to my house. They'd be like, I like those curtains. I'm like, you want to buy them? Like, I like your coffee table. Oh, it's for sale. I like your carpet. Sure. Take it. Um, and so the biggest joy that I understood was that when I do reveals for clients is that to actually see them realize their dream home became like hugely important to me. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of how I, in the back, kind of like the back way became an interior designer and obviously like through a lot of learning and coaching and experience, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I love how you said that, you know, the, it's like that, the revealing process that brings you the most joy, right? You want to help 
people find their dream homes or make their dream homes. And Absolutely. Yeah. No, so I feel like also, you know, part of it is that a lot of people think, you know, designers have carte blanche that they can just decide whatever they want for the client. And we're not like that at all. At Lux Decor, we're really all about the client. We're client centric. And I think it's important because even for me, like for a while, like it was actually only with a marketing firm that I realized because I used to be like, oh, like I'm helping people get rid of their furniture. That furniture, where is it going? It's going in a landmine. Some people need furniture. And here I am telling everyone they need new you know, and so uh, the coach was telling me, like, he's like, no, you're helping these people create like a cozy uh, space for them, a place where they can unwind, recenter, get away from the noise outside. And when he kind of put that perspective, it really shifted my mindset is that we're not just creating homes for what other people think, but we're really creating a like kind of like a, a sanctuary, Yeah, you know, so a place where when you go home, it just feels right. Right. And I think that's very, very important in just living your life because I don't want to come home to a cluttered house. I don't want to come home to a cluttered room. Every time I leave my room, I make sure that it's, it's clean. It's tidy because I know that especially like after vacation, which hasn't happened in like years, but you know, (laughs) especially after vacation, I want to come home to like a clean house, a clean apartment, not even just clean. I want it to be something that I enjoy almost like, like a vacation on its own, you know, being able to sit in my house. If I, whatever, come home from school and my cute, whatever it is, you know, something that brings me joy. And I think that's something that's very, un, um, um, what's the word under, un, underappreciated, I, I, underappreciated. I can't think of words today. <laughs> I was like, words going out my head, but, um, it's underappreciated and it's underestimated how happy that can make you, you know, just coming home to a place that you really enjoy and that you could really bask in, you know, like it was the beach. No, absolutely. And I think, I think that's important because there's so much stuff going on outside, you know, and especially as we all experienced during COVID as we spent so much time at home. And I think that's why the interior design world just exploded because everybody was looking at the four walls and thinking, how can I make it cozier? How can I make it prettier? How can I feel like it's more of a retreat? How can I work in my backyard? How can I get my gym or this or whatever? So we spend so much time at home that I think that it's like, why wait till tomorrow? Like, you know, if you're, I mean, and I think also on any budget, like, I mean, obviously using an interior designer, (laughs) designer, you need a certain budget, but I think even if you can't afford an interior designer, there's ways to make your house uh, really Um, fresh and, and put your own personal stamp on it. So I'm going to ask you in a second, how, how you can make it very fresh and put your own personal stamp on it. But just going back to what you said about your home being the sanctuary, like you said, I think during COVID, a lot of people realized that not a lot of people took time to put in effort into their sanctuary or their sanctuary, you know, because at that time, you know, you're all busy. Oh, I have work. Oh, I have this. I don't have time. But I think everything house related has blown up in the last year, you know, even if like you want to get, uh, 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 like a construction worker to work on the house. I don't even know what that word is. Contractor. You want to get a contractor to work on the house, right? Like you can't even get that anywhere. Like nowhere. It's nowhere to be. Absolutely. It's crazy. Yeah. So it's like inside and out, everybody's doing something or another to their house. And people are really realizing that it's their sanctuary. It's where, it's where I'm supposed to feel happy. It's where I'm supposed to feel at home, you know? So with that in mind, college students, younger people who may not be able to afford a, interior designer 
what advice would you give them or what tips do you have like interior design wise to help spice up your space to just make it more homey and so I think absolutely. I think right now there's, like I say, there's a lot of places where you can find inspiration, like on YouTube. Uh, there's a lot of young, um, young um, uh, YouTube stars who are doing all these great DIYs on Instagram, tons of inspiration on Pinterest. Yeah. I would say Pinterest is probably my number one for inspo because it's a great place to create mood boards and, and whatever and organize your thoughts. So I say always start with an inspo is that I think a lot of people get carried away and say, oh, I want to do my whole house. Well, just start with one room at a time. Right. Say, I want to do my living room or I want to do my bedroom. Uh, collect like 10 inspo shots and just figure out, okay, what, what do I really love about these photos? And then try to make it consistent because I do believe that that's where people go wrong. Mm-hmm. Is they're like, oh, I like vines, but I also like, you know, polka dots and I like bottom <laughs> and I like country. And then the room looks like a big mishmash. So stay focused find inspo and then try to stay true to that. Um, So inexpensive tips for sure is always paint. You know, like if you're, if you're able to paint yourself, you can refresh and paint super easily. And I think paint right now is huge. Uh, Contrast is huge. So dare to go bold, like, you know, instead of just going like white, I mean, yes, for sure. That's like an aesthetic, but if you're able to, you know, like go a little bit bolder and there's some really great, dark contrasting colors that are super strong right now. Um, And then I I would say in the world of Etsy, they've got a lot of amazing wallpapers that are just like stick on. So I think that's also easier to install than like getting uh, like a, a wallpaper installer. I would say also, you know, like pillows, pillows are, are like huge, like pillows can refresh any room fairly easily. Uh, wall art too. There's some great websites like Minted that you can get uh, print, uh, prints for really not a lot of money. Get some IKEA frames, jazz up a space. Um, so yeah, there's lots of places. But I think really is to stay focused. Focus. Get an inspo shot uh, and make sure to stay kind of consistent with what your style is. Uh, inexpensive, most inexpensive is paint, pillows, wall art. Um, and then just be able to kind of jazz it up one thing at a time, but don't move on to your second room without finishing your first. Cause I always tell people you dilute your budget yeah. or you dilute your look you, by putting a little bit here, a little bit there, then it looks like no room is finished. Uh, just start with one, get it done A to Z, be super happy with it. And then move on to number two. I love that. I love that. And I know we're talking a lot about the interior design, but I also want to ask you about your journey and growing up being adopted, you know, how did that, how did that impact you? Did, what did, what did it just your day to day, how did it impact you? And what, you know, you, we had talked about how nothing really felt like home and that's what inspired you to create Lux Decor, but just talk a little bit more about just being adopted and how that impacted you really. Yeah. So I was adopted probably, um, uh, one of the first waves of interracial adoption in Canada. So, I mean, now it's very common that you've got a lot of uh, children coming out of Asia, India, from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was adopted, it was much more integrate uh, your children into the Canadian culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so that in itself is tricky, because if you think about it, when you don't look like everybody else, but you're in a white family with three other kids. Um, so that was definitely tricky. I didn't, I mean, I for sure didn't think much about it, but 
You know, I mean, if we look at the whole Black Lives Matter situation and everything that's happening, I mean, it's brought up a lot of issues. Like I've got kids too, who obviously uh, they look Asian. Well, they are, they're half Asian. Um, so when you don't look like everybody, that's definitely one thing. And when you're, the rest of your family doesn't look like you, that's number two. Um, I think I grew up uh, fairly level-headed about it but definitely faced a lot of obstacles in that sense that you just don't look like everyone. Uh, being adopted too is that you don't have anybody that's your blood relation, right? So it's very, for me, it was um, when I had my daughter and she was four years old, I remember looking at her and thinking, oh my God, that's the age that I was abandoned, you know? So she was like a fully formed person who was like talking with thoughts. And so when I looked at her, I was like, wow, that's, that's something, but it, but you don't, you kind of forget, you know, that trauma of it. Um, but it really marked me. And I think with my kids, it was quite something to look at their hands and their feet and their faces and really see them resembling me. So that was, that was beautiful. But uh, I mean, I think adopted people have two, there's often like two waves. You have the adopted people who just their adoption kind of defines them where they're always looking for their past. They're looking for who they are, uh, uh, some kind of relation to their roots. And then you have like another stream of adopted kids who just never look back. And I think that's me. Um, I was never that curious to go back and find my parents or whatever have you, but it was more with my son actually, who was always like, Oh, you should try to find your parents. What if your parents are still alive? What if you have a sister? And, um, it kind of was like, I just turned the page on that. And it's more now that I'm like, oh, maybe like with ancestry.com, maybe I should, yeah, but yeah, I haven't done it. but it's definitely there. I think about it sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I think if I was adopted, I would, um, I would definitely be like, who are these people? You know, I would, I would, I would be the person who would always look back and be like, who are they? Where did I come from? Just because I'm already curious about that. And yeah. I know exactly who my family is. I know every, you know, like I know everybody and I'm already curious. I'm like, there has to be some sort of something. So I think that I would definitely be that person, but it's, I'm sure it was not easy to be the one person who looked different in your family. Um, I don't know if you're okay with talking about it. So please stop me if you're not. Of course, of course. No uh, but I know that a lot of people don't get that perspective because just because they haven't gone through that, that, you know, those kinds of things, but even being in a home where you, I mean, I guess you stood out or being in a community where you stood out, do you think that impacted what you wanted to do later in life and how you wanted to do it? So it's funny because I actually, like I said, said, I, I think I just kind of slammed, like I just moved on mm -hmm. and it's only now in you know, like being a woman entrepreneur and understanding the role that I play, you know, having a daughter and understanding that, you know, women businesses and how much more difficult it is for women, that now I'm starting to reassess, you know, what it what does it mean to be an ethnic woman running a business, right? Mm -hmm. um, and how can I help serve others? Mm -hmm. So for me, that's been really interesting because part of why Lux Academy uh, came to the forefront was absolutely I never thought that I'd be one of those women who'd be like hey like uh, I have like uh, I, I'm just kind of like oh like just move along my business whatever have you but more and more I realized that I do want to impact young women and women in general and uh, especially like address the fact like I mean obviously right now Asian you know they're they're talking about Asians and Asian hate and uh, 
it's, it's crazy. Like it's absolutely crazy. And what's more crazy to me, and maybe you can also relate to this is that if you are not of color, you can't understand the racism that you face and you become kind of immune to it or some people do. Um, but it's, it's constantly there. Like you're where you just don't look like you're, you're not white. Right. So, so the kinds of things that would happen to me, and I, I did, I actually wrote a post when black, black lives matter was at its peak about it, about like maybe tw- 10 or 12 different scenarios that had happened to me. Yeah. And, you know, so many people in my community were reaching out like, Oh my God, I never knew. I would never have thought like, because of course they would never have thought or never knew because they're white. Right. Right. I think this for me, like it touched me when the whole black lives matter and even the whole Asian, uh, Asian hate crimes have been coming out that I realized that more and more that it is, I don't need to be like an instigator or like cause waves, but definitely it's something that I like to talk more about because I believe that people need to be more educated about it. Yeah, I completely agree. And I don't think that it's, I don't think it's instigating. I think it's educating and bringing awareness where it should be brought because a lot of people just don't know what happens. And a lot of people are kind of like, I don't want to say oblivious, but they don't realize it. You know, it's almost like subconscious, but that's also what makes it so bad. It's that nobody thinks about it as being wrong, you know, like the little words that you you get called or, you know, the names you get called, whatever it may be. I've gotten it before. I, I used to get made fun of for being vegetarian. You know, mm-hmm. I used to get made fun of for a whole bunch of different things, but nobody realizes it because they're, it's just, it seems so quote unquote normal and which is absurd. Right. For sure. Like, even for me, like I've, I've walked it here because we, we speak French, right. right. And I'm completely, completely bilingual. So I've gone into a grocery store where I'll have a French woman be like, Oh my God, you speak French. Like, where are you from? Aren't you Inuit? Like you can't, I can't believe it. And yelling to her friend, Oh my God, she speaks French. So, I mean, things like this today, like, how could you even like, it's ridiculous. We're in modern times. Like, of course we speak French. We're in Quebec. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so it's a lot of these little, or somebody walking down the street and bowing to me and saying, Konnichiwa. Like, I'm like, really? You think I'm Japanese? Like I'm not Japanese. So like, but just that, like no people wouldn't know. Exactly. And you just kind of ignore it. And you're like, okay, whatever. You let it roll off your back, but you realize like, that's, that's what it means. Like white privilege, right? People don't yeah. understand that. Exactly. Exactly. And like, yeah, exactly. Like you said, it's the, it's the little things that really add up. It's the little things in life that make you happy, but it's also the really tiny things that make you, that impacts you the most, you know, like, like that, you know, like, I'm sure that that's something that you bring up in an interview. I'm sh- it has an impact on you, you know? Well, for sure. But I think also it's a, a, a question about like, how do you take your life experiences and then turn it around to empower yourself, your yeah. life and those around you. Right. Yes, so for me, it's sure. like, I talk to my daughter, I talk to my son, they understand. Right. And then when you turn what, so if I bring it back to, you know, making a house a home, like, what does that fundamentally mean to me? I think like that your house is everything, you know, it's, it's where you, you go home and you need to be safe and feel completely, completely vulnerable where you can say and do anything. So that for me has been kind of become more and more clear as to my mission, as to why I really, really enjoy, you know, making people's house, turning their houses into homes. I love that. I love that. And it's, yeah, I think, I think your house, like we talked about before, I think it's something that's very underrated and not enough people spend enough time on it. And 
it's valuable, you know? So I think that's- But I do think also like it's relative, right? Like, so I think some people- Agreed. Yeah, exactly. Like some people for them, like maybe they don't have the means or they don't really care, but like they really enjoy flowers and they put fresh flowers on their nightstand every day, you know, because it makes them feel good. So I think think it's just about feeling good in your space, really. Yeah. And like you said, it's all relative and to each his own, right? Everyone is different. So everyone's going to want to spice up their space differently. And it's not going to, maybe it's not with the interior designer. Maybe like you said, it's just getting some roses to keep beside your bed. Maybe it's just some flowers, but you still, I think it's still important to just have that space where you're able to, like you said, be completely vulnerable, be completely yourself, be completely or feel completely safe. Absolutely. You know, sanctioned. Um, what's your, what's your mantra? What's something that you live by? Oh, um, so actually I, I, so I say something to my kids, like when they were going to school every day, I I used to say, be good, be kind, be awesome, be yourself. I would say like every day. And I think, I mean, I think being kind is just underrated. Oh my goodness. I don't think people quite understand Mm. how much of an impact you can have on people when you're kind. Um, I think also being yourself is also something where especially kids, teenagers, young adults, I mean, anybody, anybody at any age, what does it mean to be yourself? Like it's to allow yourself to have space to be exactly who you're meant to be. Right. Right. Uh, And you can be quirky. You can be, so those are things for me that are really, really important. And it's something that I've always told my kids. And even one of my core values at Lux is, is definitely, um, living with a kindness and authenticity, uh, dare to be bold, uh, no problems, only solutions. And uh, we create, we work hard to create magic. So I do believe that, you know, I think that it's really important to create your own path and your own, your own destiny and to really, to make sure that like nobody else is going to be the one who's going to make things happen. You're going to make things happen. So, yeah. I kind of gave you a mashup, actually. <laughs> Not one, just one thing, like multiple things. I mean, yeah, it's really hard to choose just one thing, but I completely agree. I think that being kind is just so underrated. Like even just giving a smile, that's a form of kindness, but nobody does it anymore. Like mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be that weird person that's like on the street and everybody's like, uh-huh, weirdo. And like, you know, especially with where, so some people can get a little like, you know, but it's like, even just giving a smile, it, it, it makes all that of a difference, you know? Absolutely. And you have a great smile. You got to oh, keep, keep smiling because it's going to, it'll like open doors for you. You'll see. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, what's, what's something that you wish you could tell your 16 year old self, if you could go and talk to her? Wow. I wish I had that question before. So I could prepare. What would I tell my 16 year old self? I kind of asked this, these a few questions like to everybody, because I feel like even like for my younger audience, it's really, really interesting to see, you know, what, what would this older successful woman tell her 16 year old self? I'm 16. So I would love to know too, you know? (laughs) Oh my goodness. What would I tell myself is, uh, I think I would definitely say is to enjoy the process and the journey. Cause I think I personally was somebody who was always impatient for success. Um, So I'd always want, like, was thinking, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What am I, you know, like, what's the next journey? What's the end? 
to enjoy the process. I, you're, when you're 16, it's like the time of your life. Like you should, I mean, I know you've been during COVID, but hopefully in the next couple of years, it'll make up for it, but you should be having fun. You should be like enjoying, like uh, living it up. So I've, but everything that you do is to, to not hurry things up is to, uh, it's funny. I was just telling my husband today, I was like, there's an expression right now called slow living. Have you heard yeah, of that? I haven't, but I've, I've, well, vaguely. So it's a bit of a movement about enjoying the moment. Like, you know, like looking at the stars and really just looking at the stars and doing nothing else. Uh, looking at, uh, you know, like just the leaves moving. So, I mean, when you're 16, it's not something that you want to be told. But for me, I really think it's to enjoy the process, to really, really take your time. And I life will unfold how it's supposed to unfold for you. Everything happens for a reason. And I definitely needed to hear that because I'm, I'm also one to always be in a rush and always need to get to the next thing. I hate, I hate even like, I, I hate being, not being busy. You know, if I'm not busy, then it's like the end of the world. So I definitely needed to hear it. <laughs> but you know what? You're, you're probably, you're, you're definitely a go-getter. I can hear absolutely like you don't sound like you're 16 when you're interviewing me. <laughs> you're very mature. So I'm sure you get that a lot that you're very mature, right? I do. I do. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's also one thing your age will catch up to you at one day, like meaning that when you're 24, that you won't, everyone won't think you're so mature anymore. You'll have caught up to that, but because you'll be like everyone else finally. But I think, right. uh, I think it's a good thing. Like, uh, yeah. thank you. I mean, I mean, I've been getting it for a, a while. I mean, I started this just before I turned 16. So it was like on my 16th birthday, I launched it and nobody, oh, congratulations. No, thank you. <laughs> no, nobody thought that I, um, that, you know, but yeah, I think about that a lot. And that's also very scary to me. It's just like, wow, one day and it's already, it's already coming, you know, it sounds so silly, but it's not that far in the future. So it's already like scaring me. And it's like, oh my goodness, time flies so quickly. But I think what, I mean, what I could say is, you know, as an adult now is that nobody can really quite, you know, like prepare you for anything. Like, I feel like, yes, like, somebody can tell you but you really have to live it yeah so it's like I know like even like having kids like people are gonna tell you this tell you that tell you this but honestly there's no advice that that prepares you for having kids like there's no advice that helps like you just have to live it you have to experience it and you have to go through it so the one thing you can be influenced is on mindset and if you have a good mindset and a positive outlook I really believe that that will serve you serve you so well because honestly there's no point in being like negative and debbie downer on things like but positive mindset is something that i think everybody needs to work on yeah the sooner you get that the the more it serves you in life so i mean how have you cultivated a positive mindset was there is there something you do like on a daily basis to ensure that it it remains i mean i'm sure we all i mean we all have our bad days so i'm sure it's not all rainbows and sunshines all the time but it like you said it's so important to cultivate it so how, how have you cultivated it yeah so I think like for sure like I mean you know my teenage years like there were there were turbulent there was a lot of things going on and I do remember reading a book called uh, creative uh, visualization Ooh, yeah. and that book actually changed my life oh. because it really, it really was about mindset um, so it talked a lot about manifestation and saying you know if you want something um, you know, visualize it's like, let's say you want somebody's job, like visualize that that person would get a promotion and that you would just naturally get their job. So it's always wishing well on others and being and naturally 
just owning your own space. So I also think that when you change your mindset to not make yourself a victim of circumstances and you always are just proactive and you put things into perspective, it really helps you because it's very painful otherwise. If you're not proactive and if you're always continually like asking like, why, am, why is this happening to me? Why did this happen? And it's painful. But if you're just like, hey, this is happening to me, what am I gonna do about it? What's the next step? Right. It's just you're just one step closer to a positive resolution, right? So I I, I say I'm very good at visualizing. That's mm-hmm. something I practice every day. And I I'm not a visualizer where you'll sit me sitting cross-legged doing yoga or whatever. I'm not. I visualize really by um taking moments. And often actually I have to tell you it's in the car. Uh, when I'm driving, I listen to amazing music and I visualize. So I'm visualizing. Uh, what my meetings are like, what my day will look like, what I'm going to be doing, uh, what the plan. So even everything is so crystal clear in my head that when I'm ready to execute it, that it's just easy. Is, did you say that your, your manifestation journey or your journey into spirituality started when you read the book? So it did. And I didn't really understand quite what, what I was doing because I actually never connected that I was visualizing. Yeah. So I read the book. Yeah, I never understood it because I read the book and I was like, it really resonated with me. And then my whole life I've been visualizing, but I've never been doing it. You know, like how traditionally people say, find a quiet space. I don't do that, but I visualize constantly. So whether it's right before I go to sleep, whether it's in the car, whether it's like having a coffee by water, like I'm visualizing all the time. And then you will be surprised how much stuff comes true when you visualize it because you make it happen. And I'm the same way. I don't, I'm a dreamer, right? So I, it's like, I'll, I'll be daydreaming, but I'm like, oh yeah, I'm daydreaming. That's why I'm zoning out. But it's in reality, it's visualization. And I think that also comes with building that mindset. Cause if you have a negative mindset, you're going to end up visualizing those negative things but when you have a positive mindset and you're like, it's all working for me. You know, it's not working against me. Everything's meant to happen for a reason. Those mm-hmm. things will naturally manifest in your head and then manifest into your reality. For sure. So I think the difference is, so like a dreamer, I think a dream, I think it's great to have dreams because I think, but it's also visualization is visualizing the steps to make your dreams come true. Right. Right. So I think sometimes people just like dream and it's always a different dream. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. But for me, like actively visualizing is I have a vision of what I want to do and how I'm going to get there. So that I think is very different. It's a distinction. Because if you, if you daydream and if people are just constantly changing their dreams, I think that's when they don't come true, right? So manifestation, visualization is really about visualizing what the actions behind what you will do, right? So it's a bit different. So give us a little bit of an example as to what you would normally visualize. So like on a very, very simple level. So let's say I'm, I'm, I'm doing like a dinner party. So even so, because like, I'm not super planned like like six months in advance with organized with agenda like but I'll know okay that I have a dinner party and I want it to be spectacular so I'll visualize what does it feel like what's the mood what do what will people say about it 
What's it going to look like? What's the food going to taste like? What's the activities? Are people going to be laughing? What's the music like? So that as I'm working it out, I'm actually, as I'm visualizing it, so I can see the flowers on the table, I can see what the table looks like. I can hear the music. I can smell the food. I can, uh, I can see the laughter. I can see what drinks are in people's glasses that then it's so clear how I make that come to life. Nice. So then I, it's just basically making it and then it happens. So right. So for example, I actually did this with my staff, I did a team building. If you actually look on my Instagram story, you'll see it. Um, so because it was just like two maybe it yesterday, okay. or maybe it's expired but on the lexicon one. It was but I don't know if it's still on you, you could check but yeah. Um, so, but basically I, you'll see that I put like the fairy lights outside. I had like the craft paper out. I had tapas. I had, I made all of the staff write, um, kind of like a love letter to each staff member where they had to write what they appreciated about each other. So it was only the design team, but so it was beautiful. So we read them out. People were laughing. They were crying. They were like so happy. And then we had like the whole toast. And then we had like a few other, like, uh, so I, I bought these gifts and we did like a kind of an exchange. So you set the mood that you create, right? So I visualized it and I made it happen that same day. Amazing. It was like, boom, 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 boom. I knew exactly what to do, who to call, what to do, what, what to get done. So our minds are really powerful. And I think a lot of Amazing. the time we definitely failed to acknowledge that and understand it too, because I think a lot of us overlook it. Oh, for sure. hundred percent. Yeah. Go ahead, continue. <laughs> no, no. So yeah, no, I think, I think absolutely. I think our mind is very powerful. And I think if I think in the path to success is really about being able to take our visions and put them into action. Right. And I think that's, that's the difference. You know, when somebody says, oh, you're a dreamer, you're a dreamer. Well, there's nothing wrong with being a dreamer. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, we all have dreams. Of course. But how are you, you going to get there? Right. 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 And everybody's always like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. It's a tomorrow problem. And even I was like that. I was like, oh no, it'll just happen. Like I'll, I'll do, I'll do it tomorrow. You know? And when I, when I said tomorrow, I, I was just always looking for the right time, but there is no right time to do anything. You just got to do it. And eventually it will, if it's meant to be, it'll happen smoothly, you know, and it'll, it'll happen naturally. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What's, what are some things you do that help you maintain like the work-life balance? Cause that's not easy to keep. <laughs> so for sure. So work-life balance, like I think, I think it's important that we all recognize that there's different parts, there's different stages in our life. Um, I think that we all talk about work-life balance. Like it's like the golden, whatever ring that we all want to get. But you know, when you're a working mom and you're an entrepreneur, like there's no balance. Like it's very hard. Um, and you, especially if you're a really driven entrepreneur. Uh, so I literally, like I wanted my, I wanted to be here for my kids as much as possible. So when I, I made a choice, I made an active choice when I started Lux Decor. Um, I was pregnant with my son. So Lux Decor, so I have an 18 year old son. It's 18 years old. And I literally, for those first six, seven years, it was just kind of like status quo. It was a great business. It was doing well, but I wasn't actively working on the business. I made a choice to be with my kids uh, and to pick them up and do whatever I wanted, you know, have flexibility. So my choice was flexibility. And then as the kids got older, then I was like, okay, now I'm really working on my business. So right now I'm in a major growth period of my business. And so my kids know it. 
Like I'm working a lot. And so they're supporting me and I'm supporting them. But so I think the balance comes with understanding also clearly what stage of life you're at, what your goals are, and being able to make sure you have a support system, right? So like, for example, like right before you, like, because, um, because uh, we got our times mixed up for today. I was like actually working right before and I was like, oh my God, I'm so hot. I want to go outside. It's so beautiful. And I was like, I just got to go outside. So I took an hour and a half to go swimming, go in the sauna, uh, like trying to like recenter that little slow living phase so that I could, because otherwise I would have just sat at my laptop the whole time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a question of discipline and it's a question of knowing what you want and not beating yourself up. That's the, I think that's the major key thing. I would feel so guilty all the time, just if I wanted to take a break from whatever it is, whether it be, whatever, you know, I, I, I beat myself up for taking the breaks, but then in the end, I'm like, you're just going to sit here mope longer than it would take you to go clear your head, come back and do your work 10 times more efficiently. A hundred percent. And you're going to see, like, if, I don't know if you want to have kids later in life, but like guilt is one of those things that we we need to just let go of as working moms, what? as entrepreneurs, yeah. because really, like, honestly, kids are going to be okay no matter what. Like, I mean, obviously, unless you're a terrible parent, but I mean, in general, like, you know, we're allowed to do what we want to do. We're allowed to build a business. We're allowed to be working moms. We're allowed to go for our dreams. And we also have to, like, train our family to be there for us, right? So it's not all on us all the time. It's about choosing the right partner that someone who's going to support you. That if you're ambitious, and I'm sure you are, <laughs> is that you choose a partner who's who's going to understand that part of your journey is, is yes, you want to have a family, but you need to have, you know, support, period. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, this That's is completely huge. Yeah, exactly. It, it's huge. And if I think a part of that is also if the other person doesn't have that drive, they're not going to understand it. No, for sure. Hundred percent. So my husband and I are both entrepreneurs, so we both get it. There you go. That's that's also part of it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because then it's I, I don't I don't necessarily if like whatever down the line, if the person doesn't know, you know, I'm not saying be in the same field. I don't even know what I'm going to do. But if you have that same ambition, that same drive, the same hunger, then it's easier to be on the same page. Absolutely. You know. That's, that's what I see. Yeah. Who, who's your, who's your hero? Oh, you're asking me all these questions that I haven't thought about. Um, you know, I mean, it's so funny because people ask this to me a lot and I'm not one of those people who like just super obsessed over people or, or admire just one person. I mean, I definitely admire a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so for sure, my hero I don't have a hero. I, I, I would say that a lot of people mm-hmm. influence me and for sure, like, like, I mean, I've been with my husband since I was 17 and he's, he's, he's pretty amazing. So I'd have to say he's probably wow. my hero. Yeah. 17. That's exactly. crazy. That's right. That's this amazing. fall I'll have been with him for 30 years. I just told you my age. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't look that old. I no, swear. no, no, no. You really don't. You really don't. Um, that's amazing. 17, 30. Wow. <laughs> I know you don't see that too often. That's like if you were to find your husband next year. No. Yeah. It's like within the year I'd have to find my husband. 
But you know, there's something funny about it because you ask yourself, like, even now, like, I feel like you, you guys at your age, it's like so crazy because there's so much pressure and like, where do you find a guy? And it's like, there's like no parties, there's no socializing. It's like Snapchat, this, that, like my daughter is like, you know, so I get all that, but you know, for me, it's like, I grew up with my husband. We're completely, we wouldn't have known, but we both became entrepreneurs or whatever have you. It doesn't happen like that anymore. But I say at any age, it's, it's good to break the ice is to, to really make sure that you really know somebody that you know, have the same core values as you. Core values is everything. Yes. Values, values, values. And the whole online bit too. I just, I, even if it's like my friend, I can't, I can't go ages with talking to somebody online. And that's another huge thing. So many people in this day and age are okay with doing that, but I'm not, I can't, you know? And so yeah, that, it, that's another, like, that's just a value that needs to align, but I can't, I can't, even if it's like my best friend, like, I'll be like, I'm sick of texting you. Just let's go on a walk, you know? No, that's amazing. I think also that's, I hope, I would hope one day it comes back to that more, but with COVID, it was so, so much online stuff. It's crazy. I went to, I went to my friend's house on Saturday for the first time in um, a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Surreal, surreal, because we, we, we've been very COVID conscious and we haven't gone in anywhere. And I still kept my mask on the entire time I was in his house, you know, his family friend, but it's just, it was like, I was over the moon excited. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it said something so simple, but I think that COVID has also brought, uh, brought like those little joys into um, more of a, like it's, it's allowed us to heed the, those little things more. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think for, I, like I say, I mean, I think for adults, it might be different. I think adults are, are maybe weeding out those people they, they don't want to see because they had like a year and a half break from them. I think for you guys, like, for, yeah. I, I actually think that through COVID, it's really the youth that suffered the most. Because agreed, agreed. Like the youth, it's like, it's like they were just forgotten. It's like, we did all this to protect the elderly, which I totally get. But at the same time, I, I really think the education system, the governments just were not doing enough for the youth. No, agreed. My, yeah. You don't get those years back. No, you don't. You really don't. And I went into, I, I, there's like these couple, these things I see. It's like, I went into COVID being 12 and I'm going to be 16 next year. And you know, nothing like I haven't lived my life. Yeah, it's insane. Absolutely insane. It impacts us all, especially like the younger generations immensely. Oh, for sure. And I think that's like, honestly, like the graduations that didn't happen, the ceremonies, the trips, the socialization, all of this. So I really just hope like, honestly, I hope that we can, you know, eradicate this virus or at least keep it at bay so that kids can just get back to being, you know, social beings and just have fun and do what they're supposed to do because I think it's so important. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Well, I'm realizing that we're hitting the hour mark. So I'm going to ask you one last question. Oh. Uh, what's your favorite thing about your career? Favorite thing about my career. Um, so I'm, I absolutely love, love building a community. And I really feel like um, that's what I'm doing. So the community of my, my employees, my staff, the designers helping people like I, I think that if you build a community around your business, that the business will just come. And uh, for me, that's probably what I love the most. 
That's amazing. Oh my gosh, I love that. Thank you so much, Sana, for coming. Thank you so much. Honestly, it was so much fun. Like I didn't know what you were going to ask me, but you're a natural and you have a bright future ahead of you. I swear to God, like, let's keep tabs on each other. (laughs) For sure. If I go to New York, I'm coming to see you. (laughs) Yes, I will send you my number too. Why don't you go ahead and shout out all of like your social media and everything? All right. So um, yeah, so if you'd like to follow Lux Decor uh, on Instagram, we're lux.decordesign. Uh, we also have Facebook under Lux Decor, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest. Um, and yeah, well, I'd love to hear from you. If ever you have any questions, you can reach me at my email, sana at lux-decor.com. Ah, yay. Thank you so much for coming, Sana. Thank you so much. It was so much fun. And I really wish you luck with your podcast. You're doing a great thing. Ah, another week, another episode. Thank you guys so much for coming and listening to this episode with Sana. She is such an amazing, amazing person. And just listening to her words and her thoughts it was just so inspiring and especially the whole visualization thing I think it's something that a lot of people can relate to and a power that all of us have but definitely forget that we have so again Sana thank you so so much for coming it was it was an honor talking to you and I just want to give a huge shout out to Lux Decor um their instagram is lux.decordesign that's l-u-x dot d-e-c-o-r design d-e-s-i-g-n and actually a question i just thought of that sana if you're listening to this i would love to hear your answer where did you come up with the name lux decor because i love the name and it just rolls off the tongue and i don't know i just love the name but how did you come up with it if you're listening to this let me know (laughs) um again thank you so much for coming sana and i will definitely make sure to leave uh lux decor in the description box or in the show notes so that you guys can check it out but again thank you for coming and thank you for listening and i will see you next week for a solo episode oh my gosh i'm excited for this next one. Ooh, it'll be good all right thank you guys for coming and listening okay okay i'm gonna stop talking now bye <laughs>